wife and family were visiting and they ran out to get lunch. I basically went to take a nap and I woke up and when my wife came back, she said something was wrong. I couldn't see because there was no mirror and I had no idea that my face was drooping and there were definitely signs. But even the staff was like, no, I don't think that's possible. Like, there's no way you're too young to have a stroke. While I was in the hospital, you know, nobody really caught it. They did run a CAT scan, but unfortunately I was so big that they could not do an MRI immediately. So, so it kind of went undetected until it was too late. And I really knew something was wrong when I tried to get up to go use the restroom. It was almost impossible to walk the three or five feet to the bathroom. I think if somebody had told me a couple of years ago to just really will, if you if you don't stop drinking, if you don't quit smoking, you're you're going to be in bad shape before you're 40. I, I would have laughed them off. But, you know, I think if somebody had really sat down and told me, hey, this can really happen and it can ruin not ruined, but it could definitely change your life. I like to think I would have listened. For 22 years, from the age of 15, growing up in Jersey, I, I had a lot of friends, but I was always around drinking and alcohol. In my 20s, you know, I enjoyed my 20s. I was living in Miami after college. So I kind of just continued that lifestyle and, and really without even thinking about it, I was drinking every single day of my life. Even when I had kids, I was drinking because of stress. When we moved to this house in Florida, I bought a bunch of gym equipment. So I had that pre-COVID so that that was actually already secured. And I've been able to use that in addition to seeing physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists. It's really been a lot of self-reflection and getting my body right. You know, I'm still a big guy. I'm still 325 pounds. But uh, again, I was pushing 500 at the time of the stroke. So, you know, I feel physically fit. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. One of the risk factors that cause stroke is drinking too much. It can cause a condition called atrial fibrillation, which is a type of irregular heartbeat. Atrial fibrillation can increase your risk of stroke five times because it can cause blood clots to form in the heart, which then travel to the brain. In this episode, we'll hear from Will Schmierer, raised in New Jersey and now living in Jacksonville, Florida. He suffered a stroke at the age of 37. In the middle of December of 2019, I was seeing a specialist here in Jacksonville for what's called a Vetus leg ulcer. And so I was doing home health care. They were coming to change the wrap. On a Saturday, the in-home nurse said, hey, your blood pressure is pretty high. Maybe you should go to the hospital. I was like, oh, okay. So I went to the hospital. They checked me out. Everything was good. Sent me home. I was fine for a week. Then she came back the following week and told me to go back to the hospital. At that point, the team here at the hospital in Jacksonville decided to admit me because it turns out they were able to catch the fact that I had atrial fibrillation which again, I had no idea about because I was such a big guy at that point. I was close to 500 pounds and I'm six foot eight or two meters. So they admitted me on December 21st of 2020, I believe. They were monitoring me. They had me hooked up to a whole bunch of machines. You know, when things were fine, I was talking to a bunch of different doctors. They were keeping me monitored. We were going to run the procedure that I later wound up having, what is uh, to kind of shock your heart back into rhythm. They were supposed to run it that morning. And 
for some reason it didn't get scheduled so it got pushed today and again this was holiday time so you know the hospital staff was kind of you know in flux i guess somewhere in that time my wife and family were visiting and they ran out to get lunch and i went to take a nap and i woke up and when my wife came back she said something's wrong i couldn't see because there there was no mirror and i had no idea that my face was drooping and there were definitely signs, but they, even the staff was like, no, I don't think that's possible. Like, there's no way you're too young to have a stroke. So while I was in the hospital, nobody really caught it. They did run a CAT scan, but unfortunately I was so big that they could not do an MRI immediately. So, so it kind of went undetected until it was too late. They didn't want to move me to a different location. Again, it was the holidays, so there was a lot of kind of craziness going on. And I really knew something was wrong when I tried to get up to go use the restroom. It was almost impossible to walk the three or five feet to the bathroom. I think if somebody had told me a couple of years ago to just really, Will, if you if you don't stop drinking, if you don't quit smoking, you're, you're going to be in bad shape before you're 40. I, I would have laughed them off, but, you know, I think if somebody had really sat down and told me, hey, this can really happen and it can ruin, not ruin, but it could definitely change your life. I like to think I would have listened. Will thinks his lifestyle was a major contributing factor to his stroke. For 22 years from the age of 15, growing up in Jersey, I, I had a lot of friends, but I was always around drinking and alcohol. In my 20s, you know, I enjoyed my 20s. I was living in Miami after college. So I kind of just continued that lifestyle and and really without even thinking about it, I was drinking every single day of my life. Even when I had kids, I was drinking because of stress. So I was really kind of a, what I like to call a functional alcoholic for 22 years because I drank kind of right up until a stroke. I think I knew something was wrong physically in December of 2019 before I actually had the stroke. So I was trying to make some changes, but yeah, I think addiction to alcohol, smoking cigarettes in my Miami days, I was partaking in other things that are not healthy, like partying. I was, I was kind of a party boy. I had very specific rules about my drinking where I wouldn't drink in front of the kids. I wouldn't drink before like eight or nine o'clock at night. So it was really like that quiet time where I was just fell into it. And I never thought that just having a few beers would really be the end of the world. I kind of thought I was being semi-responsible. It was causing a lot of health problems, obviously, in hindsight. I did inpatient rehab in January 2020. I did 30 days there and I was on my way to recovering pretty well. I wasn't walking when I left, but I was left with some major deficits. So I did a bunch of work. I was on my way to doing outpatient rehab in February. And and honestly, I was only out of the inpatient rehab for 10 days before I was back in the hospital for a month. I had to go back to rehab to redo the work basically that I had done in January and did that in part of February and part of March in 2020. I've been out of inpatient rehab for just a little over a year now. So I think I've made some significant strides. But like a lot of stroke survivors, you know, it takes time. And that's really something hard for me to wrap my head around because I often hear like, oh, you're young, you'll bounce back. I'm like, well, when exactly is this bounce back happening? So it's been an interesting journey, but yeah, I'm getting more more comfortable with it. I'm working on things constantly. I actually still doing outpatient rehab kind of off and on, depending on insurance here in the States. 
So what's happened since is I've had to make, obviously, some lifestyle changes. I do still work for the same company. They've been very supportive. And I have kind of figured out how to work within my means. So I do work full-time. I'm less in the day-to-day of coding of websites, but I really, I try to lead my teams and then be kind of like step into a leadership position more so, because that means I can you know be on a lot of the client phone calls. I actually have a new position that as of this year at my company. So it's really just about adapting to the way that works best for me, the way that works best for them. As far as physically, so I was in a wheelchair when I came home end of last March. I am now walking thanks to my therapist. So the walking is great. You know, it's still a little rough around the edges, but I feel like I've made tremendous progress, great strides in in those areas. Physically, physically, I'm working out. When we moved to this house in Florida, I bought a bunch of gym equipment. So I had that pre-COVID so that that was actually already secured. And I've been able to use that in addition to seeing physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists. It's really been a lot of self-reflection and getting my body right. You know, I'm still a big guy. I'm still 325 pounds. But uh, again, I was pushing 500 at the time of the stroke. So, you know, I feel physically fit. There are days I get frustrated. Like I think a lot of stroke survivors, it's very hard when you can remember exactly how things were and how your body worked prior to the stroke. And now it it doesn't work quite the same, but we're getting there and I, I am committed and relentless to the process. After two decades of regular drinking and smoking, Will's stroke made him reevaluate some of his lifestyle choices. And now he's healthier and fitter. Coming up, Will on improving his speech. Building and creating things, that's, that's really what I love to do. And I think the podcasting just gives me a way to one it helps me work on my speech which was not a deficit from the stroke the speech was to deficit from uh, the ms diagnosis so that is something i'm still working on and i think the podcast really helps me focus on talking and the microphone is very much in my face so it makes me slow down and the support of his wife francisca my wife has been tremendous this whole time she's really been She's an excellent mom, obviously. I know she needs breaks, and and we've worked together in the last several months since I've really kind of gotten back to walking and, you know, a little bit more self-sufficient for stroke survivors. Just remember the people helping you are, you know, they love you, and, you know, I think it's just being kind to one another. Let's hear about Will's Lovable Idiot podcast. It's something I started because I actually went to a school after college for radio and broadcasting here in the States. And I'm trying to pivot right now. I'm trying to get deeper into topics because I think the first couple episodes at the end of last year, I, you know, I wanted to tell my story and get that out and have a couple episodes for people to, to really hear some of my backstory, but also, you know, now I'm trying to dive deeper into issues and topics that I'm passionate about that I feel like can have an impact and make a difference. You know, we'll see how that goes, but I, I love doing it. It's kind of, it's a great hobby for me because, you know, one thing I don't have is sponsors and I like not having sponsors right now because, you know, it's not that expensive for me. It's really just a matter of my time. You know, I used to be an avid woodworker before the stroke, but obviously 
with still having some deficits on my right side. You know, I, I, I can do a lot of things like type and write, but it's not writing the way I used to. It's not typing the way I would love to. You know, I'm definitely not doing 80 words a minute like I used to. We're down to the fine motor skill portion of a recovery, but in that, you know, saw blades seem like not maybe the best idea. <laughs> so woodworking is still on hold, but I'm optimistic in a couple of years, maybe even later this year, I'll be kind of back in there building and creating things. That's that's really what I love to do. And I think the podcasting just gives me a way to, one, it helps me work on my speech, which was not a deficit from the stroke. The speech was to deficit from uh, the MS diagnosis. So that is something I'm still working on. And I think the podcast really helps me focus on talking and the microphone is very much in my face. So it makes me slow down and and really think about what I'm saying when I'm saying it. Because again, I'm from New York and New Jersey. If you're familiar with other folks on the East Coast, talking fast is is a thing with the podcast. Like I said, I don't I don't have a specific niche. You know, I may change that as as I grow, but right now it's really just a great way for me to communicate with friends and family. And if there are people that are interested in and agree or like what I'm saying along the way, fantastic. But if it's only ever just a way to talk to, you know, rather than having 30 phone calls in a week, you know, I kind of do it once a week, talk to everybody at once and they kind of know what's going on. And if they don't care for that week, you know, that's okay too. Will believes in working together with your loved ones to help you in your recovery. My wife has been tremendous this whole time. She's really been, she's an excellent mom, obviously. I know she needs breaks and, and we've worked together in the last several months since I've really kind of gotten back to walking and, you know, a little bit more self-sufficient for stroke survivors. Just remember the people helping you are, you know, they love you. And, you know, I think it's just being kind to one another. It is difficult for both sides. So, so try to remember that. The best advice I can give is that I know it's tremendously annoying because everybody will say it to you if you find yourself in that situation that things take time. Every stroke is different. And that's really that was really difficult for me to wrap my head around. I I mean, I remember when I first got told I suffered a stroke, I was like, oh, I'll be good two weeks. And like I said, it's 15 months later and I am better, but I am not perfect. It's just a journey and a process which I know, again, is tremendously frustrating, especially, you know, I think it's frustrating for anybody, but you always want to put a timeline on things because you want to be doing the work and you want to know where is the light at the end of the tunnel. And I could tell you, you know, 15 months in, I'm starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not there yet. I may never be there, but I feel and can look back and see the progress and, you know, just know that, they say these things because they're they're actually true. They're not just saying them to appease you. Unfortunately, for better or worse, every 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 stroke recovery is different. And you know, I think some of the takeaways are you know push yourself. Like even on bad days, just try to be kind to yourself, but try to push yourself to do the work because I think doing that work and and even if you don't want to do something that day, just try. Yeah, you know, within within reason because I think you'll find that. If you can get over those mental hurdles that, you know, if you're just relentless about the process and stick to it, it can feel a bit repetitive, but eventually you'll get to a place where you see the results and you see a payoff and 
you know, just stay committed to it and, and trust your team of doctors and, and really just kind of listen to your body. Since his stroke in late 2019 and his recent MS diagnosis, Will's life has been tough and filled with challenges. But with the support of his wife, Francisca, and his recovery program, he believes he can make good progress. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. About 6.30, I was in the bath and I had my phone with me and I started to slur my words. So I picked up the phone and I started recording me and I recorded me having stroke. And I realized that I was having a stroke and I started to cry and I was slurring my words and everything. And so I had my daughter try to lift me out of the bathtub and then she called my ex-husband who came to the house because she didn't know who else to call and he rushed me over to Sutter Memorial. Remember, please do subscribe to our podcast on your preferred provider and rate and comment to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please do contact via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>